Last week I was riding my bicycle. I take a route down from my home uh, south through downtown Salem and through the Riverfront Park and across the Peter Courtney Bridge, which we call the Taco Bridge because it looks like a taco. Uh, and then about two or three miles or four miles back, uh, it goes to a parking lot in Minto Brown parking lot. I'm coming up a little hill into the parking lot, and I'm listening to a, uh, my, my iTunes uh, on spin. It's my, my iPod. It's just, you know, on shuffle. A couple of thousand songs on there. And I'm listening to a song called Everything You Did by Steely Dan. And there's a line in it that goes, I never knew you. You were a roller skater. And the instant that I heard the words roller skater, I came up over a rise, and there were two girls roller skating to me. And I thought, wow, that's a weird coincidence. But was it? I don't know. The very next day, I was listening to a new episode of Seth Godin's podcast, Akimbo, and it was all about coincidences. Are there coincidences? Are there no coincidences? He tells great stories, and it's a fun podcast. Uh, I just thought I would mention that because I was trying to figure out if that was a coincidence or was just a random thing that happened. I mean, so many things happen randomly to us every day that sometimes it's a coincidence and sometimes it's not. And maybe there is no such thing. I don't know. Welcome to the Trade Show Guy Monday Morning Coffee uh, Podcast. It's July 9th, 2018. Uh, thanks for joining me. I'm Tim Patterson. I'll have decaf because, you know, if I drank the real stuff, uh, real high caffeine, I'd probably never sleep and nobody would, you know, be able to be around me. <laughs> Uh, I'm owner of Trade Show Guy Exhibits in Salem, Oregon, blogger at tradeshowguyblog.com, author of two books, including Trade Show Success, 14 Proven Steps to Take Your Trade Show Marketing to the Next Level, and uh, out only a couple of months ago, uh, Trade Show Superheroes and Exhibiting Zombies, 66 Lists, Making the Most of Your Trade Show Marketing. Both of them fun, both of them useful, uh, both of them available on amazon.com. So, uh, no coincidence, today I had a great interview that I'm going to share with you in just a moment with a very fun and informative uh, person, Terry Brock, a man who's in the National Speakers Association Hall of Fame, which we'll talk about briefly. Uh, but let's start with uh, who is Terry Brock and how did we run into each other? We've known each other for a long time, although he's in Florida and I'm in Oregon. So this is how that went. Welcome to Trade Show Guy Monday Morning Coffee. My guest this morning is Terry Brock, all the way from what, Orlando, uh, Florida? Orlando, Florida. We're, we're, yes, we're like transnational today. I like this, Terry. It's good to see you. We met uh, in person, I think, uh, I'm going to say 10 or 11 years ago. You passed through Salem. You called me. We went and had uh, lunch or something. Um, and, we, you know, we cross paths online now and then. But uh, we've known each other for quite a while. How are you doing today? I am doing really well. It is great to see you, Tim. Appreciate the work you're doing. Well, well, thank you very much. And I thought it would be fun to talk because uh, I, I think, uh, you know, my, my earlier version of the podcast I did back in the day before, I think they actually called it podcasting. I may have interviewed you and we talked about some things, but let's catch up. What are you doing these days? Same old thing or, or even if it's the same old thing, let's figure it out. What are you doing? Doing all kinds of fun things. I'm a communicator. I speak and I write, doing a lot of work with cryptocurrencies right now and doing some things with uh, that, but also doing a lot of marketing consulting. That's my, my MBAs in marketing. So we do that. And I'm uh, a speaker, been doing it now. I figured, Tim, as I told you before we got recording, I'm just getting started. I've been doing it for 35 <laughs> years. So yeah. I'm just getting started now. You're just getting to the point where you're almost comfortable in front of a camera, in front of a crowd, right? I'm working on getting rid of my shyness, as I've told yeah, you before. Yeah. So what do you do when you're on stage and you freeze up? Do you, do, are you at the point where you can say, ah, I just had a senior moment? I, see, I'm at that stage. 
Well, I find what I want to do is I try to take that. There's a lot of times people say they get really nervous when they're talking and that's understandable. I mean, you're looking at a bazillion people out there and they're staring at you and you're thinking, oh, gee, am I saying that right? Am I, am I dressed properly? Is my hair combed properly? I want you to know I comb my hair particularly well for you today, Tim. Nice, nice. But I think as a speaker, what you can do is when you start focusing on the audience instead of you. And stop thinking, gee, am I okay? Did I say that right? But you think about what are their needs? What can yeah. I do to help them? We always do a whole lot better. And I think uh, also, uh, you know, I, I've done a lot of public speaking. I don't do it uh, regularly, but I've done enough to where I'm comfortable. Of course, being in radio for, for 25 years, that's the speaking part. Uh, yeah. And when I first got into public speaking, uh, people would say, well, you can speak into a mic. Uh, can't you get up in front of people? And I would tell them that's a completely different thing. You're in a room with a microphone. That's easy. Getting up in front of a hundred or 500 or a thousand people, whatever, that's a different experience. And so it does take practice. It takes rehearsal, it takes preparation. So what do you tell people that want to do this? What kind of things do you tell them to focus on? I think what you want to do is you want to focus on the message that you're going to give to an audience, helping them to find a solution. Now, you need to present it, and you have to have two areas. One is you need to know your stuff. you got to really get good content. And as you get better at your content, then you feel more competent. And that builds your self-esteem. You feel better about it. And so I think you want to make sure you do that, but then also present it in the right way. A buddy of mine, Mark Sanborn, used to say it really well. He'd say, we as speakers, he's a professional speaker also, say it's kind of like we're bringing cherry cough syrup to people. Now, they've got a cough. They need to get that solved. They wouldn't have the cherry cough syrup just for a drink for the fun of it. You don't do that. But you take it because you're, you're sick. you got a cough and you want to get rid of it. But it's cherry flavored, so it goes down better. There you go. So what we need to do is we present the content. But if I stood here and talked like this for a couple of hours and I was just talking this way all the time, you wouldn't hang around very long. No. And even in an audience, people will check out mentally. So you want to use the right ways of connecting with people. Humor is a tool that's good, but I would not just say, I got to get a joke. You know, a priest, a minister, and a rabbi walked into a bar. You know, we don't want that stuff. We want something that's relevant. We want it to be in tune with us. And I think it's one of the most powerful tools that you can use to build your career and build your business. And that's connecting with people through the spoken word. I would agree. And, and humor is an interesting thing. You, you, you mentioned that. Um, I always think that if you, are, if you are able to make fun of yourself on stage, that goes a long way to drawing a connection, making that emotional connection because people uh, you know, can sympathize with you, empathize, and they understand because they've been there in a sense. They, they, they've needed to make fun of themselves. And if you can't make fun of yourself, that's a, that's a difficult thing to do. Exactly. And you make fun of yourself or you're telling a story that happened to you from their point of view. For instance, a lot of times people will say, you know, something happened to me the other day. Maybe you can relate to this. And, yeah. uh, and now people are going, oh, I can relate to us. We're in this together. Yeah. And I was walking along and when I saw this, you know what it's like when you see, yeah, okay, well, that's what happened to me. And so now it's like we're together on this. I'm just two steps ahead of you holding your hand and kind of being a guide through solving this problem or seeing this adventure unfold. A lot of us don't consider ourselves experts, even though we may know a lot about the area that we spend our day in. But really, being an expert means you only know a couple of things more than the people you're speaking to. And there are probably people in the audience that actually know more than you, but they're willing to hear what you are going to say because you're willing to get up there and say it. Uh, so, so being an expert, a lot of people say, I can't be an expert. I, I don't know that much. I don't know everything. And so they, they, they kind of backstep and don't do that. Uh, the other thing that you mentioned I think was interesting is stories. We all have stories. We've all heard stories that other people have told and shared, but I think the most valuable thing, I'm sure you would agree, is stories that you've experienced, personal stories. And 
I remember when I was in Toastmasters, one of the things one of the guys told me was, if you can come up with 50 stories, you can use those for the rest of your life and you can always add new ones. So I think that's a great way to start. If you have stories and they can only be, they can be just like 30 seconds to a minute long, but they help illustrate a point. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, it's all uh, something that can happen to you. And I think what you need to do is you need to keep a journal. There's a thing. I don't know if you remember this. It was a thing called paper and a pen. Remember that? I still use Oh, wait a minute. Them. Hang on. Oh, I've got one, too. There we go. Yes, they were. <laughs> and by the way, I still love using my Note 8 and dictating into yeah, it. So we're yeah. using the whole range there. But what I would say is that someone said, many times people will say, well, nothing ever happens to me. I can't think of anything. I would say, well, just pause for a moment. And I want you to start thinking about what happens. And you start writing it down. Yeah. You write it down or you dictate it, talk it into your device of choice. And then you can go back and you can amplify. You can uh, modify what you're saying to say, oh, let me really emphasize, you know, it was Bob there. Now, let me tell you what Bob looked like. He was about six foot tall, muscles really strong. And the guy was a kind you wouldn't want to mess with. And by the way, in the description I just gave, most everyone listening could have a picture of this mythical yeah, Bob yeah. I just described. But by doing that and helping the audience to see it, you can take them to a place where they would see. And uh, you can make fun. You can have fun. I mean, just gotta, you've got to be alert. Be aware of what's going on. I remember a while back I was in uh, Russia, and I was in St. Petersburg. They're on Nevsky Prospect. It's the main historical street there in Russia. And I'm wandering up and down just amazed at it. And I saw this restaurant, and it hit me. It was so a sign that I thought was so profound. It said, vodka, it's not just for breakfast anymore. <laughs> <There, laughs> like, That's great. And so That's a now great I story, use yeah. that. And when I said, because when I'll, I'll go out, I'll be talking about, say, cryptocurrency. Well, there's Bitcoin and that. It's not just for geeks anymore. And so I make a transition over there. Use the vodka, a funny little thing, you know, coming from Russia and all that. And it's not a big, long story, not a roll in the aisles, slapping your side funny, but it's just a nice little chuckle. But then use that to say, and this, it's not just this way anymore. And so find ways that you can make a transition using those stories. And it doesn't have to be the best story, the longer story. Just a, a short little anecdote uh, can illustrate a point. And I found that a lot of stories that I've told over the years can illustrate different things when you emphasize different parts of the story. Uh, you can tell a story about something you did in high school, and you can use that to, to show this or you can show this. It, it just it comes up in different ways. And I think that if you're willing to be flexible in those types of things, you can use stories for a lot of different things. Absolutely. And matter of fact, for those that are listening to this and watching what we're doing, uh, and you think, well, I can't think of anything for me. Well, here's something. Let me give you a little cheat way that you could do it that's really helpful. Read history. Study mm -hmm. some lessons yeah. from history of what happened. And you can then say, you know, the year was 1835. And da-da-da-da-da-da, you start talking about that. Now, you have to do your research. Do your homework. Get up, uh, come up to it. But show what they dealt with, a challenge that someone in the past had to overcome what they did, why they, when they tried it, what happened to them and they didn't make it, but then they came back and they overcame it. So now you're not the hero, but this person in the past is the hero. And you say, and you know, that's just like what we're facing today because we've got this and you start drawing analogies. That's yeah. a real good way to get started with it. If you're thinking, well, I can't think of anything that happens to me. Well, start with that and just see where it goes. And then you, you have your, your bullet points that you want to emphasize. The next thing you know, you've got a really nice presentation. It's just it's, it's interesting how you weave all that stuff together. Um, and, and I always found that rehearsal is great, but don't, don't rehearse the speech word for word. Um, Agreed. You want, you want to know the essence of it and the, and the main checklist, the bullet points, as it were. 
Uh, And so you can weave your way around those. But if you do it word for word, if you get a third of the way in and you forget what the next word is, you're going to be lost and you're going to, you're going to not, not succeed the way you want it to. Yeah. I like the way you say it. You want the bullet points. Those are important. I did, for instance, on my website, I've got a thing about my uh, TED, TEDx talk that I did. And when TEDx are very famous, it's got to be short. You don't yeah. go for two hours. Yeah. You're going for just a little bit. And so I was aiming for under 12 minutes and I wanted to do it in the place I did. And what I did is I just remembered the points that mm-hmm. I wanted to make, the bullet points. And of course, I, I didn't use notes. They don't usually do that in TEDx. And so I was using the bullet points. And what I did is right here in my study, I walked around the room drawing pictures in my mind of the bullets that I wanted to make. Right. The old loci method of memorization, been around yep. for centuries. Yep. And something like that can help you in you know, putting speeches together, for those of you that are watching this, and think about going around a geography area and think, okay, my first point is going to be this, and you see silly, crazy pictures that relate to that and will remind you of it in different places in a familiar uh, position, a familiar site. And that's a good way to deliver a presentation. Let's move out of the public speaking arena. But before we go, I want to, uh, you mentioned something that you, you're in the, the National Speakers Association Hall of Fame. Is that correct? Yes. I honored when, that when, they, when uh, did they do that? I'm just curious. That was in 2009. Okay. And uh, so they do only five a year. And it's kind of a secret who's going to be there. And it's a real high honor to get that. And so I yeah. was very much honored to have that. Well, congratulations. Thank you. Uh, when, we, when we first met, 10 or 12 or 15 years ago, whatever it was, you were doing a lot of online video, which was fairly new at the time. And you were kind of geeking out on some of the, the cameras and things. How is, what, you know, what you had back then versus what you use now, how has that changed? I'm just curious, what kind of equipment type of things have you seen evolve? I've seen a lot of things changing, and uh, I would recommend today, get yourself, first of all, a really good microphone. Matter of fact, Tim, I see you're using the Yeti microphone. I am. And so am I right here. <laughs> I just put mine dry down. Yeah, peekaboo. You don't see it. It's down there, but this is good. Audio is the most important part of video. Yeah. So make sure you got good audio. Matter of fact, this audio, right, this microphone here is from Blue Microphones, as you know. They're the ones that make Yeti. Skipper Weiss himself. One of their co-founders and former COO gave it to me oh, and nice. told the story how Steve Jobs came to him and told him, you got to make a microphone and we got to put it in our stores because they at that time didn't have them in the Apple stores. Right. And he said, you got to charge 150 uh, Skipper looked at it and said, we can't do it, Steve. It's only going to, it's going to cost $250. That's what it's got to be. And Steve said, no, you've got to do it for 150 <laughs> Well, they went back, did it. And eventually they came up with it. And now the Yeti microphone is the uh, standard in the industry. It's, uh, yeah, yeah, I switched to a USB, which is what this is, from the old analog with all the, the XLR plugs and all that. It took yep. me a while to get there, but th- I, I really enjoy this. It's portable. It's very good. And I think this was uh, under 100 bucks. you know, this particular yeah. Got, it so. is now and under a hundred bucks. So get the good audio microphone first and you want to make sure you have a very good webcam. Yeah. You want to make sure it's coming in well. I use a MacBook Pro right now. They've yep. got a very good camera built into it, but I like the external camera because the external camera, I can pick it up and I move it around a little bit. And uh, like for instance, Tim, I showed you before. Should we show everyone else here what it yeah, looks sure. like? Yeah, what sure. What the heck? Yeah. I can do this and here's an example. We're actually doing, I'm picking this up and that is Orlando, Florida right now. A few clouds out there we're going to schedule for a hour our required by law afternoon rain shower <laughs> it happens and you're on the water there that's nice yeah we are yeah we got the, the lakes here so it's good so by the way those of you who are watching it that's important if you have the external you can pick it up and move it around it creates more excitement rather than boring that's the worst thing you do so, so a- you're using a macbook pro but you're using an external camera 
that's hooked up to the MacBook Pro. So, so you, use, you, do you go back and forth? I'm just curious, do you still use the MacBook Pro video camera on, on occasion? Occasionally, not that often. Often I will use that when I'm in a hotel room and I wanted to just jump in and jump out. It was a short day trip or somewhere and I didn't bring the external camera with me. Right. And so I've that, done uh, Zoom videos, which is easy to do on an iPhone or whatever. Um, and uh, th those have worked pretty well. I've, I've seen those work pretty well. So there's so much, there's really high content video or high quality video, I should say, on, uh, on the smartphones these days. It's, you don't even call them smartphones, they're just phones. Everything's in there. Your yeah, phone, phone, phone has everything. So, uh, and that has evolved quite a bit over, over the years. So do you use that? I'm just curious. Oh, yeah, I use Zoom a lot. Now, uh, as I think you know, Tim, I was the uh, chief enterprise blogger for Skype. They asked me to come on board, and they said, Terry, we've been watching your videos, and nobody's doing this. Can you show us how? I said, hey, for the right price, we can work something out here. And so I came on, and I would use it. I love Skype, great people, great company, but I'm now using Zoom even more. I just like the ability, like you and I right now, we're recording. <laughs> yeah. Click one little button. It looks like you've got a friend there that's um, barking or something. Yep. Right, which is okay. They, they do that. It's fine. They do that. And, but they like Zoom too. <laughs> but I find that Zoom is a great little tool because not only can we record it quickly, but also sometimes you want to show, hey, here's a really cool app. Tim, I want to show you this app that does da 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 da. I can take this and I can put share the screen and be able to have it right there so you would actually see my screen from here over there. Right. I just need it on the same Wi-Fi. But I think that having this is really a good money maker. For those that are content leaders and uh, thought leaders, you can create content by interviewing someone like we're doing right now or create your own PowerPoint or keynote slideshow and go through the slides and you still have your picture in picture on the screen if you want. Yeah. It's a nice little tool all the way around. And, and it's so common these days and I'm glad that it has, it has gotten to that point. I remember when video first came on or, or you know, in the late 90s actually people were talking about it and you'd see it on occasion before YouTube uh, and, and you'd think, okay, there's not enough bandwidth, but that will change. Uh, it certainly has changed. You know, now we've got, uh, I think I'm connected to, to 200 uh, megabytes a second uh, bandwidth and, and sometimes you think that's not enough, but... <laughs> <laughs> but it's very high quality and, 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 it's, yeah. and, and people use it. So what are the things you use video for or online? Uh, is it just one-on-ones? You, you, I'm just curious what else you use it for. Well, I do a lot with one-on-ones. Matter of fact, on just today, afterwards, I've got a call with a client of mine who is a dentist and uh, he's got a very large successful practice up in the Northeast and I'm coaching him on how to present on video. Mm -hmm. He does a lot of training and instruction in addition to the dental work that he does. So I'm showing him how to present. He records something, then I come back and go, now this looks good, but don't look over here. You want to look over this way right here or get a little bit closer to the microphone, those kind of things. So that is good. I also have done a lot of presentations to groups so that for whatever reason I can't physically be there, uh, I can then talk to the group, involve them as if I were there and use something like Zoom and have used Skype before for it as well. And it gives the ability for them to learn, to experience the magic. Of course, it's uh, big savings and cost yeah. getting someone out there, but also you can do it more frequently. Yeah. And that is good that you can say, okay, it's now the first Tuesday of the month and we all get together for a meeting to learn da 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 da. It's a great tool for that. Yeah, and I belonged to a mastermind group for a while where every, like twice a week they would meet. And, and sometimes on Zoom, you'd have 50 or 60 people joining for the mastermind and people would chime, kind of chime in and talk and stuff. And that was, that was really convenient. Um, and, and, and the fact that you can do that uh, very easily, just pop it up, pull up an app, you're, you're online, there you go. You know, whether you're connected to um, Wi-Fi in your home or whether you're out on the road somewhere because the, the quality that comes through on, 
on uh, 4G these days is not bad either. You know, I, I've, uh, let's let's. I just want to touch on this because I read something about this this morning. 5G is coming, of course. That's going to change the, the the planet as far as uh, connectivity. It's going to be a hundred times faster than what is currently, uh, you know, connectivity is. So that'll take you know this thing to the next level. It's just pretty- absolutely. Yeah. yeah, it's amazing. I just look at what's happening right now. The bandwidth getting better so that it's going to be common to have 100, 200 megabits or higher on a, on a remote when yeah. you're out in the field just walking around. Uh, Terry, any last words? Uh, how can we find you? Uh, you know, what have you got going today other than the rain shower this afternoon? <laughs> yeah, we're supposed to have that this afternoon, a normal thing, and it's cool. It cools it off. It cleans the air. It's wonderful. Yeah, yeah. So, But we do a lot more than that, too. I help people that are looking at building their business and want to get involved with the technology and use it for entrepreneurs. And the best way to find me is, uh, well, terrybrock.com. That's uh, for those on audio, T-E-R-R-Y, and Brock is spelled the right way, B-R-O-C-K. So, <laughs> is there a Terry wrong Brock. way? I didn't know there's another way to sell it. Yeah, they spell it sometimes a different way, but don't do it that. You want terrybrock.com. Yeah, and, and I, I have to tell you, you're almost over your shyness. Terry, I appreciate your time. Thank you. I'm so working much. on it, Tim. Thanks for your help to help me overcome that. It's great to see you again, my buddy. Hey, thanks again to Terry. That was a, a very fun interview. Uh, thanks, Terry, uh, for joining me on the video blog podcast today. Really appreciate it. I think uh, that you know if he works at it, he'll actually get over that shyness in the not-too-distant future. Uh, Today's trade show tip of the week comes from the book Trade Shows Superheroes and Exhibiting Zombies. Uh, Speaking of video, uh, there's a chapter or a list in here called Six Ways to Use Video at Your Next Trade Show. Uh, If you want the entire list with all the, you know, descriptions and everything, uh, feel free to go find the book. But uh, here's the list, the ways you can use video at your next trade show. Number one, testimonials. Nothing like a satisfied customer telling potential customers, how well your product or service works. Hmm? Uh, The more details, the more believable, but uh, keep it short. Demos. If you're able to demonstrate how your product works inside the booth, uh, that's great. Uh, Sometimes it takes video from like the factory floor or something like that. Number three, guests. If you have a celebrity or other type of guest, you can have that person sit down for a short interview. You can use that video. video. Uh, If you have a guest in the booth, you can shoot a video of them and then share that online. So that's also using video. Uh, the boss is your CEO or manager coming by or the owner. Uh, sit down with them. Uh, can they be counted on to be a good face of the company uh, discussing your product? They, uh, you know, they're, they're usually good at that, but make sure that if they are, uh, put them in front of a video camera. Uh, number five, Q&A. If your product makes people curious as to, gosh, how does that work? Then do a Q&A. You know, frequently ask questions, answer them. Uh, And other products. Do other exhibitors have products that can be used in conjunction with your products? Maybe your product is a complementary product to somebody else's booth that's just down the row. Uh, So get one of the reps from that company to go to your booth or you take your camera, you know, take your camera down to their booth and, and do a quick little video of them. So get some video showing how that combination might work to benefit potential customers. Then you can share that with the other company and that'll get twice the bang for the buck by sharing that on, um, on social media. Finally, let's end the Trade Show Guy Monday Morning Podcast for July 9th uh, with one good thing. Uh, this week, the one good thing, I think, is Showtime documentary called The Fourth Estate. Uh, just out this last couple of months, a uh, documentary on the New York Times. Uh, I've read the Times for years. I read the digital version now. 
Uh, I came from a journalism background, at least in high school. I spent three or four years in journalism as both a reporter and a photographer. And then, of course, all my years in radio, did a lot of reporting, a lot of news anchoring. So I like the journalism, uh, the reporting, the the fourth estate, the the press, the media. I'm always curious to see how that works. And, you know, the New York Times, obviously the, the most high profile media outlet, I think, in print and how they're transitioning to digital, but this particular documentary is uh, about four hours long, maybe a little bit longer, about an hour per episode, and it starts, uh, I think, the day of uh, Donald Trump's inauguration and all the stuff that came out over the next, let's say, 16 to 17 months and how they dealt with it, how they reported on it, and and how they were in competition with uh, both uh, TV stations and other media, uh, print media like the Washington Post. Fascinating. Uh, documentaries on Showtime called The Fourth Estate about the New York Times. If you're curious to see how it works behind the scenes as they track that one uh, particular uh, topic, uh, it's, it's quite a quite a documentary. So that's it. Have fun this week. It's good for you. And see you next week on the Trade Show Guy Monday Morning Coffee. <laughs>